Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 132 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, April 28th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well. At Locked On Raptors, you can find links to every single show. Locked On Raptors is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-specific shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, and you can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel, your source for daily content on every single team uh, all throughout the playoffs. It's a, it's a great resource if you're looking to immerse yourself in the playoffs right now. Uh, you can find our show, Locked On Raptors, on iTunes. You can leave a rating or a review on the iTunes page, and that's the easiest way for you to help out the show, show that you care, show that you support it, and it's an important thing right now. Obviously, lots of news coming out of ESPN right now. Uh, you know, guys like Ethan Strauss and Justin Verrier losing their jobs uh, with the cuts that have gone on, and of course, today, the big news of the True Hoop podcast looking like it's probably not going to be happening anymore, uh, at least not for the foreseeable future, of, and Henry Abbott, uh, you know, the True Hoop sort of genius behind everything. Everything and one of the creators of basketball internet, really, uh, no longer with ESPN either. And it's a sad day, and it kind of is a reminder to support the things that you love, support the things that you know you value and that you you know you care about. If you have someone who uh, you you appreciate what they do, just share their content around. You know, do the simple things like leave a rating or a review on the iTunes page. Uh, you know, there are bigger things you can do as well. If someone has a Patreon page or something like that. Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, really sort of helps and keeps people, you know, employed in this industry. If it's something that you value, then, uh, you know, a couple bucks here and there, if you want to put a, you know, subscribe to the Athletic Toronto, for example. And I think if you subscribe to the Athletic, you get, you know, the, all of the sites. So you get coverage from a bunch of different cities. And I think that's probably going to keep on growing. So you get more and more. Um, but like just the subscriber fees and things like that. Yes, they seem like, wow, that like I've been paying, I've been getting free content forever and it's been so nice, but like, you know, th- that's not free. Like someone's doing that. Someone's getting paid to do that. And the money has to come from somewhere. And it's a weird time for the industry right now where monetizing this content is kind of like how to do it best is kind of unclear and ways, you know, Patreon and things like that, or, 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 you know, subscriber fees for things like the athletic, but they might seem different, but it might be just sort of the, uh, you know, the wave of the future with this stuff and the way that keeps this content alive and coming to you. And, um, you know, this podcast will remain free and everything like that. But just the, the simple things you can do to support it uh, really do mean a lot. And, you know, just pay for the things you value, essentially, is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, that's enough for my, you know, soapboxing. Uh, let's get to the today's podcast. And I'm joined today by Ty Windish of uh, Behind the Buck Pass, which is fan-sided's uh, Milwaukee Bucks site. And uh, we got into, you know, some sort of series awards for the first round series. Just to put a nice bow on the series to uh, recap, look back on what happened over the six games. Of course, the Raptors wrapped things up on Thursday night with that uh, 
thrilling, I guess is the word for it. You know, very sort of stomach-churning win, I suppose, would be another way to describe it. Uh, but the Raptors obviously wrap things up. So we had Ty on to sort of put a bow on everything, uh, give some awards for, for throughout the series, and just sort of give our general impressions on uh, both teams throughout the series. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back again on Sunday night, so I guess probably Monday morning it'll come out. I'm going to do a series preview of the Cavs series with Chris Manning from Locked on Cavs. Uh, Chris has been on the show a bunch of times before, so so look forward to that on Monday. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Uh, enjoy a, a basketball-free weekend. If I mean, obviously there's other NBA stuff going on, but if you're a Raptors fan and you're focusing on the Raptors, it's a nice stress-free weekend, and it's a, it's a nice time to just take a break. And, and the, the playoffs are a slog, so anytime you get a little breather is nice. Considering the Raptors didn't have anything like this last year, every game went to seven games. Like it's uh, it's refreshing to have a couple days just where you can get a bit of a reprieve and come back refreshed for game one on Monday. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Follow the show at Locked On Raptors. Again, please leave a rating or a review. I really do appreciate it. Uh, and if you ever want to advertise with a show, this is another thing too. If you are sitting out there, you have a company or something like that that you want to advertise and you want to advertise to a, a demographic of 18 to 45 year old males, a lot of people in Toronto, a lot of people in Canada, a lot of people in the United States as well. If that's a group of people you're interested in advertising towards and you want to help you know, keep this podcast thriving and, and continue to help it grow, uh, please email me lockedonraptors at gmail.com. We can get the advertising process started there. Of course, if not, like that's totally okay as well, um, and continue to enjoy the show, but that's one way that you can help the show out uh, if you have the means and are interested and have the sort of desire to get your, your product and your name out there. Um, so again, thank you so much. We'll be back again on Sunday night, Monday morning with Chris Manning. Uh, enjoy the conversation with Ty Windish. Check out his stuff at Behind the Buck Pass uh, and all the other places that he does work for Hoops Habit and things like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, enjoy the conversation, and we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the weekend. Cheers. All right, joining me now on Locked on Raptors to give a post-mortem on the Raptors' first round series with the Bucks from behind the Bucks pass, it's Ty Windish. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Um, I'm uh, just sort of recovering from game six. That was uh, an emotional roller coaster. What was your sort of, I mean, for me, like the Raptors were up 25 and I was like starting to write my recap and I was feeling good and then <laughs> everything kind of happened and it was like the... It was weird. The the run that they went on, the 34-7 run, it wasn't like a fast run by any means. It was just like a slow, like never-ending, just continuous run where it's like, they weren't like piling up points, the Bucks weren't. Like the, the Raptors' defense was fine, just the offense couldn't do a damn thing. And yeah, it was, it, that was a really long and sort of arduous, like normally a run is done in a couple minutes and you're fine. But this was just like a continuous run that would never stop. It was it was insanity. So uh, Adam McGee at Behind the Buck Pass, who's my my co-site expert there or whatever, he was doing his recap too before that run, and he was saying to me, "Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have the recap done. We can start the post game pod right after. You know, it's gonna be over and shut." And then this this run that felt like it was an hour where the Raptors couldn't <laughs> score, the the Bucks were getting offensive rebounds off free throws, which just does not happen. And it's not like Greg Monroe was getting them, like Jason Terry is getting these offensive rebounds. It was the weirdest thing I ever saw. Um, before the run, I was just I was a little down. Giannis was doing well, but the rest of the Bucks just weren't, which is something I'd said before the game. I was a little worried about that might happen. But at least, you know, Bucks fans could take Silas and Giannis. Then all of a sudden the crowd stays in it somehow, which <laughs> I was I was shocked. I was shocked with how good Milwaukee's crowd was because it seemed like that game was over, and it seemed like that series was over. And it's not like the Bucks had any momentum. You know, they lost the last game too. They got blown out, and they just kept fighting. That was really the story. They kept fighting. Jason Terry on defense finally hit some threes at the end of the game. Those are the first threes he hit all series. 
Giannis just completely out of gas, and you could tell completely out of gas. Mm-hmm. I think he sat for around 90 seconds, just kept fighting. And it was just like, you know, it makes sense that the Raptors won this series. The Raptors are the experienced team. They're the, the three seed for a reason. They're, they're, they're good. That's, I mean, they obviously they tooled up, you know, around the midway point using assets the, the Bucks kind of gave them <laughs> to, to help out and, and do this run. Um, and it's I'm, I'm not super mad the Bucks lost because look the, the 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 Cavaliers still exist. It's still going to be super tough for whoever wins to make it past the next round. Mm-hmm. But just seeing that fortitude and seeing you know some guys like Don Maker and Giannis and Tony Snell and Greg Monroe, and even Jason Terry play well. It just makes you feel good about you know what's what's coming next. Yeah, the Bucks kind of you know they definitely overshot my expectations coming in. I picked the Raptors in five. Um, I just kind of thought that. Just based on what happened with the Raptors down the stretch of the season, where with Kyle Lowry out, every game was kind of like a training ground for what the Bucks' defense is, because they were just every defense was throwing traps at DeRozan because he was the only you know real creator on the floor with Lowry out. And I just figured you know with Lowry back and with the the pieces and the fact that the defense has been really good, I just didn't really see the Bucks' super aggressive scheme being all that much of a hindrance to them. And of course it was. And you had, like, out of those world performances by guys like Thon Maker earlier in the series, like, games one through three, I would say, he was just absurdly good. And obviously Giannis, I think he even picked it up as the series went along. Um, and, yeah, the Bucks is like, I said it last night, like, the 2019 title is going to be really great for you guys. So, like, yeah. yes, it sucks now, but the Bucks are going to be ridiculous. I'm very much excited for the 2019-2020, like, back-to-back Wolves-Bucks finals. Those will be... Uh, Horrible for TV ratings, but I, I just there's only like it's just a nice thing that the Raptors caught the Bucks this season and not next year because like I do think they're just going to be a monstrous team in years to come, especially with Jabari Parker back and who are, and you know the development of guys like Brogdon and Maker like and obviously Giannis is getting better. They were they were super impressive to me. Um, but I wanted to have you on here so we could just do sort of like a, like a just put a bow on the series, give a bit like of a of a recap and, and give some awards out for the series because, you know, I don't know, we, we agonize so much over awards over the regular season. Why not give out awards for a small sample series? Um, yeah, so let's, let's get into it. it now. Uh, I want to get your series MVP. I guess there's two candidates for this. Uh, if you want to go with the guy of, of the winning team, you know, that, that just to, as you would traditionally do in the regular season or in the finals or whatever, uh, I guess it's DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan, like he had a couple rough games, but he closed the series really strong. Uh, the last three games, he was fantastic. Obviously, 33 in Game 4, uh, and just like, kind of just carried the Raptors' offense in that game. In uh, Game 5, he didn't score a ton, but his, his playmaking was really nice, you know, dealing with those traps. And then yesterday, he led the team in scoring again, I think, with 31. Uh, no one else even had more than 13, so like he was just such a focal point. His shooting line really sort of stabilized after the rough start, um, and that dunk to, to seal it was... Like, it's, I mean, it's hard to say because it's a first-round series, but, like, that's one of the biggest moments in Raptors history, that dunk. And that says yeah, a lot about Raptors history. That says a lot yeah. about Raptors history, but, like, <laughs> that dunk was just incredible considering the circumstances and the timing of it. Like, uh, it was uh, it was something else, man. Yeah, that dunk was, for me, that's kind of when I was like, oh, it's, that, that's probably <laughs> it. That's probably... You know, Thon comes over and helps, and who it was? Uh, it was Terry, I think, who was jaw. It was either Terry or Stomp. Who sure was Terry? Mm-hmm. Who was jawing at him? Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was now. But I, I was like, oh, I don't know if you should jaw at Demar. He's, <laughs> he's from Compton. I don't know if that's the best idea. And he he came out and he made the Bucks pay for it. Uh, it depends, I guess. Like, like who should have gotten Finals MVP when the Warriors won? Like Andre Iguodala got it 
but like should LeBron maybe have gotten it? I don't know. I don't know if the difference is between LeBron and Demar enough for to give for me to give it to Giannis on the losing team. Right. Um, if if it wasn't for I'm trying to remember if it was either game four or game five. I think Giannis only had like 14 points. He really yeah. struggled. Yeah. And he had other contributions. You know, maybe if he drops like 30 in that game too, mm-hmm. I could feel better about it. But I think I got to give it to Demar. Also in consideration, Norm Powell who. Somehow didn't play in one of the games. Somehow he wasn't really on the Raptors' closing lineup in mm. Game Six, which mystified me. I tweeted at one point, like, "Good thing uh, the Raptors forgot how good Norm Powell is." Again, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know as much about that as you. I'm sure. Maybe there's a good reason. But I just felt like he was such a spark plug. He shot 90% from three-point territory. <laughs> totally um, sustainable. Just, yeah, absolutely sustainable. They're, they're going to beat the Cavs. Norm Powell will just shoot 50, 90, 90 for the rest of his life, and. Yeah, um, yeah. Norm Powell is a good good call too. Serge Ibaka was also kind of in there for me. He was cl- kind of quiet in Game Six, so that that sort of took him away from me. But he, like going into Game Six, I thought him and DeRozan were kind of neck and neck as the Raptors' best player in the series. Like Ibaka's defense was, uh, I mean, considering this is a team that you know has had Jonas Valanciunas playing center a lot of the time last year. They had you know Louis Scola playing power forward. They had Pascal Siakam starting at power forward for much of the season this year. Uh, this the defense that Serge Ibaka provided at the rim. You know, guarding Giannis. You know, he blocked a few Giannis shots in this series, which were high points for me, just in terms of just like aesthetic beauty of being able to block a Giannis shot. Like that is not yeah. easy. Uh, I thought Ibaka was really good, and he had some really nice, you know, important offensive performances too. He kind of struggled, I think, in Game Four, where he kind of started chucking at the start of the fourth, and then he didn't end up finishing the game. Uh, but other than that, like he had some really nice shooting. I think he was eight of ten in Game Five. Uh, just a really dependable option for the Raptors, and that's kind of what they the, like. Everything he did in this series is what they were trading for, so that was great to see. But if you're going best player, yeah, Giannis was just like he was such a treat to watch, and I'm really happy now that like I don't have to have an invested, uh, you know, interest in him not playing well or, the, or like I, I like the Bucks. Like the Bucks are a fun team and they're entertaining, and Giannis is so damn enjoyable. Um, it's too bad he's not in the playoffs anymore, but like next year, I'm just I can't wait because like if this was him still developing like he's obviously still got some stuff to work out his shot and things like that but man it was uh getting to watch him up close for you know six straight games was, was just a treat so uh he's right in the running for me but you give it to Demar. you said yeah i'd probably have to give it to Demar DeRozan. Yeah. Uh, i thought Serge started out really strong i think mm-hmm. it was game two he almost had a triple double yeah which just it mystified me i was like i did not know Serge Ibaka get eight assists yeah shows how important ball movement was for the raptors though he ended up getting a lot of those nice dishes out to shooters but yeah i think overall most valuable player um, i'm old-fashioned i like the winning team like this year i thought Kawhi should have gotten it because i don't think the warriors just have too many stars to get it the Spurs were the best non-Warriors team. Kawhi was the best player there. Right. So as much as I love my guy Giannis and I agonize, I'm going to say DeMar DeRozan. He just, that dunk was really the moment for me that sealed the series. Right. Uh, next one here, breakout player of the series. And I guess there's two options here. You already mentioned Norman Powell. And, yeah. you know, for Raptors fans, it wasn't like a huge surprise, I don't think. And this was sort of the conversation down the rest of the season, like down the stretch of the season where... Uh, you know, Damari Carroll was obviously like the sort of the sore thumb sticking out of the starting lineup, and it looked like you know a change could be made there. And most people were calling for PJ Tucker to be that guy. Um, and you know, now that you look back on it, it kind of makes sense that Norm Powell was so successful in that role. He's always reminded me when he's the fifth guy in the starting lineup as like a Wes Matthews sort of glue guy, like being able to shoot threes, play defense, and get to the basket. You know, and just sort of do every little thing that fills in the gaps. 
that's kind of the closest comp I can think of for him when he's in that role. And, you know, he's been successful there. As the starter, as a starter this season, he averaged like 16-4-2. and two. Uh, whereas coming off the bench, like he, you know, was kind of tasked with being like the main guy off the bench, you know, trying to create offense, and he's just not ready for that at this point. Um, but I think in this series, he was so well suited to just being there. The guy standing on the weak side, the ball would swing to him, and he get to go work on the sort of weak and weak side. And that was, it was just kind of a perfect series for Norm Powell. I don't know how he factors in against the Cavs, um, but he was a candidate for me. But I think Thon Maker is actually my choice. He was. Uh, especially early on in the series. Like, I didn't expect him to be that good. Jason Kidd mentioned uh, that he was really only getting minutes as a starter because there was no D-League team for them to send him to to develop, so they didn't want to be a wasted season. Um, And you could see it, I guess, later in the series. Like, he kind of started to stumble a little bit, and that was kind of... Uh, you know, the reason the Bucks were so damn good in the early part of the series was that he was playing at like a defensive player of the year level, just in terms of how he was coming up, hedging, giving the Raptors ball handlers trouble, and then flashing back to the bigs and, and just blocking shots at the rim at will. Um, and he still was doing that. You think he did had a couple blocks last night, too. I think he had like three in the first quarter, but... Um, no, he had five. Yeah. Five in 13 minutes. It was insane. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, he was he was super impressive to me. And yeah, his like raw numbers aren't all that impressive, but like the, the what he did in his time in the game, like I think the Bucks were at their best in this series when he was at his best. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, I know I read Jonathan Charks wrote about two big adjustments in, in the the playoffs. One was the Celtics going small. One was the Raptors going small. Mm-hmm. And he said he thinks both of those both of the teams playing them, the Bulls and Bucks, should go small too. And I thought the concept of what he said made sense, but I was like. Honestly, I don't think the Bucks need to go small per se. Like Thon is their center, but he's not like he can shoot. Like I wish he would have shot more in this series. He yeah. never really got going from three, and he can shoot. He can play make. His passing was great. Um, I'd probably give it to Thon too. I'm always gonna wonder a little bit. And like I said, I mean, I think Bucks fans in general were a little too down in the dumps after this series. I had someone. I was running a behind the Buck Pass side account, and somebody tweeted at me like. Oh, this is just like three years ago. This is no better. I was like, well, there was no one, no Bucks starting the All Star game three years ago. It's a little, <laughs> little, little, little different. Yeah. But um, but Thon is just going to be so much better. I think that's part of it. And it's, I'm always going to wonder though, you know. And again, this series shouldn't be like this most important thing ever. It, it would have been great to win this series for the Bucks, obviously. But it's not. I don't think it's like a franchise ruiner. But I'm always going to wonder, like, if those nine or eight minutes John Henson played had gone to Thon Maker, right. how does the series look different? Norm Powell is fantastic. I think he's going to be important going forward because the, the Cavs will go small and play a lot of wing players. I think the Raptors will need him. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to give it to Thon, too, just because he emerged. And now I'm thinking down the road, like, a four or five of Giannis Thon is some revolutionary stuff. Yeah, that's why I wasn't totally sold on the idea of, like, Giannis at the five being all that much of an important change for the Bucks in this series. And, like, they went to it, I think, for a little bit in game six. But, like... The Giannis at the five, like the the effect you're looking for there is the same effect that that Thon had earlier in the series. Like when Thon was yeah. playing well, he was doing exactly what you would hope Giannis would do at the five in terms of just his defense and being able to to roam out to the perimeter and flash back. And he was doing that just fine for most of the series. And yeah, that that John Henson stretch of minutes. That's interesting. That kind of reminds me, like, you go back last year with the Raptors and the Pacers and Frank Vogel rolling out his just terrible, horrible bench lineup to start the fourth quarter in Game 5. Uh, you know, they could have swung the series there, went up 3-2 going back home, and then, you know, the Raptors pounced on that horrible lineup and came back. But there's always these little things in playoff series that are just like, you know, it's such a small sample and there's so few games and so few opportunities where, you know, games can pivot. And yeah, that's uh, that's something that if Bucks fans are going to think about that for a long time, I totally understand. 
All right, let's move on to most disappointing player of the series. Um, a few candidates for this. I think, you know, maybe you know, the two of the stars for each of these teams could kind of be, uh, you know, candidates for it. I'd say, like, it's probably down to Kyle Lowry and Chris Middleton for me. Um, and Kyle yeah, Lowry, yeah, Kyle Lowry had his moments. Like, he had some really nice games in the series. Game five, uh, he was he was really good. Game four, he had a really nice second half. Even last night, like, his offense wasn't really there. And who knows how much the back thing is playing with him right now. But, uh, like, his defense, I thought, last night, he had some really, really solid defensive sequences. Even when the Bucks were on their run, um, I thought Kyle played some good defense. Um, so I, I still think I'd probably go with Kyle over Chris Middleton because Middleton, you know, he had the, the illness or whatever he was dealing with. Like, it sounded pretty serious. Um, it, you know, I think it, it seemed to be some, somewhat of a surprise that he was able to play in Game 6. Um, so I, I guess I would go Kyle with the caveat that Middleton was sick. But uh, what do you got? It's it's tough for me because I think you have to take in, into consideration both that you know Lowry was clearly off and I, I remember the one game he was just stretched out on the baseline like yeah, he couldn't yeah. sit on the bench and Middleton was clearly sick and really I, even more than that like at the end of the regular season he was off too I think just I don't know if it just got like, caught up to him that he didn't play the first half of the year because of his hamstring maybe like he he got a little winded for not be, being able to be in shape which wouldn't be his fault I mean he's guy probably couldn't really walk his hamstring was torn off his his bone or however that works yeah, yeah. i'm not a doctor <laughs> but uh i don't know i mean i feel like you, you're just tempted to give it to the guy on your team like i kind of want to say middleton because right. I, I know one of the funny things about talking about both of these guys is they both tended to have pretty good plus minuses even mm-hmm. if they weren't playing all that well mm-hmm. like their presences were helping out their teams in a, a noticeable way so i think i would i think i would go I don't know. Middleton had a good last game. That's fair. And I yeah. think that helped, but I think in the middle of the series he he slumped a bit, and it really like his shot selection was bad. He was only taking three threes per game, and both of these guys were clearly a little shaken up. But I think I'm going to give it to Chris Middleton just because like people are starting to forget how good he is now. I remember like a year ago at this time he was like everybody's favorite, every everyone's favorite player. NBA Twitter, everyone loved Chris Middleton. People are talking about you know who's better, Chris Middleton or, or Jimmy Butler. It was a real <laughs> thing I would see on my timeline. And now I'd see people like, oh, Chris Middleton is even good. Like, well, I think he's better than this. I think there were some factors at work, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him because I think Kyle Kyle Lowry gutted it out. He had a couple good games near the end of the series. He kind of won me back over. And like you said, his defense during the run was pretty good. Yeah, and you know, even this kind of been the case with Lowry the last couple seasons in the playoffs, where maybe his shot's not there, but. He's been so effective in other ways, like just setting guys up or whatever. Like he was still a plus three net rating in this series overall. Sorry, plus four point seven net rating on the court in this series overall. And yeah, that's just kind of what he does. Like even if he's not shooting well, he does other things to affect winning. He'll take a charge here. He'll like he was taking. He was like trying to go take charges in that game five blowout, like with the sore yeah. back, and I was just losing my mind. Like, Kyle, like, just <laughs> chill, man. Like, you're up 25 in the fourth. There's no need to take a charge or just, like, sprawl on the court for a ball here. But uh, that's the kind of stuff he does, even when his shot's not going down. And here's hoping maybe he can kind of re- rediscover it against the Cavs because they're going to have no chance against Cleveland if he doesn't. But, um, yeah, I think I would probably – yeah, Middleton, I guess, it's hard. I think uh, honorable mention probably goes to Jonas Valanciunas. Um, and like it's yeah. through no fault of his own, really. Like it's just a matchup thing with him. But I, I kind of expected him to be able to eat in this matchup. Like he's always kind of done pretty well against the Bucks. Don Maker, while he has a bit of range, like he's more, I think, in the mold of you know the DeAndre Jordan 
uh, you know, Andre Drummond types that, you know, Jonas typically really destroys, and that's usually the best matchups for him. Um, and, you know, I thought he was going to be able to do that against Don and sort of be able to take advantage of the physical advantage that he has. And he just couldn't really do it. And obviously he came out of the starting lineup. The, the, the defense got a, a lot better when he was on the bench just because I think a big part of it was just having speed out there to get back in transition against Giannis because he's so dangerous in the open court. Um, yeah. And, you know, I thought he kind of got outmuscled by Greg Monroe a lot. I mean, we saw last year in the playoffs, Jonas was just uh, an offensive rebounding nightmare for both Miami and Indiana to deal with. And Monroe kind of took up that role in this series. Like, he was grabbing offensive boards all over the place. Uh, and Jonas was supposed to be the best rebounder in this series. And he had a couple decent games. I think game uh, five, he had hit, when he was on the court, the Raptors had a 100% defensive rebounding percentage and like a 74.9 total rebounding percentage. So that was really good. Uh, but other than that, like, I just think he kind of got out-muscled and kind of gave up the one advantage that the Raptors really had in this series, which was on the boards. So uh, Jonas is an honorable mention for me. Anyone like that for you? Uh, Jonas would be up there. Uh, Monroe grabbed 17 offensive rebounds in the series. Jonas only grabbed six. So, yeah. yeah, he wasn't really a factor. Uh, kind of split between all of the Bucks guards. You could you could put it like uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who it's, it's hard to say he was disappointing, and he redeemed himself with a really good game five, I think it was. But uh, he started off the series pretty rough, and really it was that he just wasn't taking shots from three, yeah. and that was like a common theme. A lot of a lot of Bucks would have a good look from three and then just drive, and it, it drove me nuts. They drove to the rim, I was driven nuts. I was like, just shoot the three. Like it's clearly very important. The Raptors wins before aside from the blowout, and the blowout too was is helped by just the corner threes like Corey Joseph and Patrick Patterson. Yeah, seem to find an open an open spot at the corner all the time against the Bucks defense and. I wish the Bucks could have taken advantage of that more. So Snell was good, not Snell, but uh, oh, Snell was horrifying. I never want to see Tony Snell again. <laughs> uh, he, maybe, maybe you guys can sign him. He's going to be a restricted free agent. Who knows? Hopefully, the Bucks can keep him though. Yeah, the Raptors have a whole lot of stuff that they got to do in their own house yeah, this summer. True. I don't think there's going to be true. much free agent action going on with them. And like, I don't know, Tony Snell, former Bull, so of course he was going to demolish the Raptors over the course of a series. Um, as former Bulls tend to do, but yeah, he was really good. He might be—he was like almost breakout player for me. Like, I know Bucks fans have a weird relationship with him, and they, they kind of see him as his inconsistent dude, kind of like what Terrence Ross was to Raptors fans. Um, which is odd because Terrence Ross, I feel like, was a guy that most Bucks fans are really happy they didn't have to see in this series. Yeah, yeah, um, you can say that again. Yeah, that again. That is just so mind blowing because Raptors fans have this real vendetta against Terrence Ross, but. Uh, he seemed to do pretty well against the Bucks whenever they came across them. So, uh, but yeah, Tony Snow was good. So there's no disappointment there. Brogdon, yeah, he kind of fell off a little bit. I thought his defense, like there were after like Game Four where the Raptors kind of started to ISO a little bit more. There were a lot of possessions where Demar got onto uh, got Malcolm Brogdon on him on a switch and just completely took him to school. And uh, that was a big part of the Raptors' offense, as simplistic as it was. Like just kind of having Demar take advantage of that matchup with Brogdon was. Uh, was pretty effective, so um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just I hesitate to say he was a disappointment. Yeah, he's a rookie, right? The guy right? was taken in the second round. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and I thought his defense on Lowry was pretty good in the first couple games, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it it took its toll on him. I mean, he played a lot of the season. He played a lot of minutes. I think he'll come back better for it next season. Yeah, absolutely. The Bucks are again in a very very good spot. Lastly, uh, best game of the series. I guess there's a few candidates here. Game two. Uh, was pretty close right down to the end. I think that was, if there's a game in this series where both teams played really well, I think it's probably game two. Um, like, I just think both teams ex- executed at a pretty high level. Game four was just one of those, like, sloggy, grinded out, you know, very pivotal games. 
uh, that had a lot riding on it with the with the Bucks down or sorry with the Bucks up two one. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was a, a, like as ugly as it was, it was very indicative of what playoff basketball you know tends to be a lot of the time. And then of course game six. I mean, ugh. <laughs> I mean, I can, imagine, I can imagine why that was good for Bucks fans just getting to experience that comeback on this side of things. It was uh, it was a depressing time. Like it was you know the the questions of you know the future of this team kind of started to percolate again just as that run happened as Jason Terry hit that three to go ahead. Um, you know, my first thought was, wow, this is ridiculous. And my second thought was, but wow, what if they end up losing this series because of this and, you know, throwing the entire offseason into question? And maybe that was overreactionary, but um, it was just it was a, just an absurd run that just it really felt like the Bucks were going to win that game. Yeah, um, I, I forgot how good game two was. Game two is up there. I think just pure like viewing pleasure, though. I think it had to be game six. Yeah, yeah. It's so dramatic. The, it was it was almost one of the best playoff comebacks ever. Right after the the Cavaliers did that to the Pacers like a week ago now, um, and just like just the fact that the the crowd was just nuts. Mm-hmm. And obviously game two, it was a, it was a good crowd I'm sure, but game six was insane. Bucks fans just dying for round two for the first time since 2001. It would have been yeah. So. Um, I just think that like just watching and uh, the first half was terrible. I was I was like, oh, this this is gonna be one of those games. I mean, Giannis was playing well, but from from the Bucks' perspective, I mean, even from a basketball game, mostly it was just the Raptors just consistently beating the Bucks play after play. But just watching the comeback and then I mean the Demar dunk to and it didn't clinch. There was still a good ball game. I mean, if Tony Snell gets that pass to Jason Terry, maybe he can force overtime. I didn't think so. There was not much time left, but. Yeah. The Demar dunk was just such a a, a moment, and even as a, a Bucks, you know, fan and blogger, someone who watches the Bucks pretty much every every game, that was that was a moment. That yeah. was just Demar Derozan put the whole team on the back like that famous tweet, "I got us." Yeah, and he yeah. did. He he had them. Yeah, um, I actually referenced that tweet in my recap last night because it was uh, it just really felt like a like an "I got us" moment. Um, Absolutely, that, that was a foul on Jason Terry late, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> look, look, I, I like the Bucks. I, I don't think I'm a homer though. Yeah, that was a, he, he got all hand. Yeah, I was. I, I, didn't, I didn't like the. I felt on both sides there was a little too much grousing about officiating. And the funniest part about me for it was all the Bucks people saying Giannis didn't get enough calls, and all the Raptors people saying Giannis got too many calls. Yeah, I mean. Refing is inconsistent, and like any game that Tony Brothers is in, like both teams, both teams and both fan bases are gonna feel like they're, uh, you know, there's a vendetta against them. But like, it's just Tony Brothers is bad at refing. That's what it is. Like, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. It's not. There's nothing against anybody. It's just he sucks. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think officiating swung the series. No, uh, right. I mean, no. Demar got a lot of calls, but Demar just gets a lot of calls. That's kind of the way he plays. Yeah, exactly. But, that that was just the thing for me that I thought was funny was that you know it's like I saw a couple people and I, to be to be fair to you I don't you were not among them <laughs> from the tweets I saw you were not one of the the more vocal ones but just like about Giannis getting every single call and I was like man Demar's shooting more free throws yeah and Giannis also, is shooting more in the paint I don't think it's going the series I don't I'm not out here like oh the refs were in favor of Toronto like Toronto is you know L A or something like that no no disrespect to Toronto it's yeah. it's a Arguably nicer city than Milwaukee, arguably, but <laughs> I, I just don't think it, there was any like, like oh the refs ruined it. Like oh there were some bad calls on both sides. I think game five, I think it was, was just horribly officiated altogether. 
But I mean, uh, the teams came out and played basketball and, and won one more than the other, and that's that's a series. Yeah, I'm with you there. And like, I don't I don't know how you defend Giannis without fouling him. To be honest, like, yeah, exactly. Like, what are you and supposed it's... to do? Like PJ Tucker, I mean, he already kind of toes the line between fouling and not fouling every time he defends somebody. So the fact that he got called for a few extras, like. It doesn't make a big difference to me. It's kind of to be expected, I would think. And, yeah, I, I'm never one to gripe over refing. I mean, I'll, I'll, if there's a bad call, maybe I'll say something about it. But, like, I have never been one of these people who believes there's some sort of conspiracy against Canada. Because um, that's dumb. Refing is just bad. It's not... It's not tilted and, and anyway. And to be fair, it's, it's hard, bad. too. It's, it's incredibly hard. And I think NBA refs are, like, probably among the best refs in sports just in terms of getting things right most of the time. It's just, yeah, like, some of them are less good than others. And yeah. <laughs> Tony Brothers, what's up? Um, yeah. Uh, any parting shots here before we wrap things up? I mean, this was this the best series of the first round? Um, I, I was partial to Spurs-Grizzlies. That's fair. That was a really good series, and there were some I, epic games there. I think this was probably the best closing game. Well, I mean, I mean, Cavs-Pacers was good, too, but it was game four. There wasn't that much drama. Like, you knew the Cavs were going to win the series. Um, I would say the one thing that hurt this in, in, in viewing power was there was a couple of just blowouts, like Game yeah, 3, yeah. Game 5. Yeah. If, you, if I was a neutral fan, I don't know if I would have watched the whole thing. That's fair. And, like, Game 4 um, was kind of a slog, and if you're not into that kind of thing and you're into more pretty basketball, I guess that makes sense that you wouldn't love it. Yeah, but, like, the first two games and the, the latter half of Game 6 were, were really good. Like, I think, like, I saw every everyone on NBA Twitter was, it was involved in Game 6. That might have been... Just the fact that the the comeback and then the Raptors come back to clinch it and clinch the series, but the Bucks could still feel good about it. You know, if if the comeback never happens, I think the Bucks it just feels a lot different. Yeah, that's, that's that happening. It helps a lot. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, Ty, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show. This was a lot of fun. I'm sorry that it won't really uh, make sense in ter- in terms of a Raptors Bucks crossover until sometime next season, but. Uh, you know, this, it was really good to talk to you, and hopefully, that when the Raptors and Bucks come across each other in 2017, 18, we can uh, definitely reconnect. Absolutely, I'm glad to uh, be able to come in the the heart of enemy territory here unscathed. <laughs> um, I'm glad we didn't have too many shot throwing. It was a, a polite series. Shout out Canada for being very polite. This um, was I'm the one thing. Yeah, this was the one thing I noticed. Just dealing with Bucks bloggers and Bucks fans on Twitter throughout the series was like tremendously delightful <laughs> like i had yeah. i never had like i didn't have a single bad interaction with a bucks fan like no trolls or anything like that there was one person who said i was wrong about something but then complimented me on my work so like <laughs> that's yeah yeah it's, it's pretty good <laughs> yeah. Bucks twitter is like the the real like the real deep down it can be an experience which i'm sure is true of any any yeah. uh, fan base but yeah i think in general just midwesterners and canadians we're, we're just we're, we're, we're pretty cool people we're not that <laughs> not that crazy yeah, Sometimes. it's like the antithesis of a Warriors Cavs series, essentially. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. I'm, I'm glad we didn't get involved in that. Good luck next round. That's what I'll say to you. Well, thank you, sir. Um, where can people <laughs> check out your work, Ty? Um, you can find me on Twitter. That's that's my Twitter is my favorite thing at Ty Windish. It's spelled with an I T I W I N D I S C H. It's a weird name, but it's it's fine. But uh, I'm at Behind the Buck Pass, and I'm at Hoops Habit. Those are some fan sided sites. I write about the Warriors actually on Hoops Habit, but I'm not a crazy Warriors guy. <laughs> and I cover the Bucks and behind the Buck Pass. And then obviously I got, or not obviously, but I got my podcast, Time Out with Ty, that's on everywhere you find podcasts where it's a lot like this, just a conversational podcast talking about NBA stuff. Awesome, man. Uh, people, check that stuff out. Ty, thank you for coming on, and we'll uh, catch up another time down the road. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. It was a good time. Cheers.